welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of I'm No Joe, your home for all things combat sports and the place where every armchair quarterback can feel like Ben Bronco. The views and opinions presented on the I'm No Joe channel belong solely to the person expressing them, no one else. If we say it, then we meant it. That being said, this show does contain adult themes, adult content, and general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised, viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned. We could be, we might be, we definitely are. We are live, live, ladies and gentlemen, here on the I'm No Joe YouTube channel. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like an Eddie Bravo. Uh, today, like most days, I've got a panel full of fuckery here ready to break down this weekend's upcoming fights. Um, unfortunately, we do have several of us under the weather today. Uh, poor Fresh 03 is feeling flattered in a fresh paved road right now. Uh, I have got an infection in my tooth that is trying to bust in my mouth quicker than an anxious prom date. So we are going to try and just rush this show as quick as we possibly can. Um I got to be honest with you, there is about two hours worth of news since we have seen you folks last, and I am not going to go over one fucking bit of it right now. What I am going to do is encourage you all to go join the new Discord for the I'm No Joe. The link is down in the description, and I am going to leave an entire fucking thread of all the crazy shit that has happened since we last saw you folks. Cause I just, honestly, I am nuttier than a squirrel turd right now from this infection kicking my ass. So I am trying not to be here too much longer than I have to, but there are some things that I have to get into with you fine folks before we can call this an official week and go on to our superb owl weekend of fuckery. So before we get too deep into it, I do want to take a moment here and welcome these fine folks who have decided to take part in the shenanigans with us this afternoon. We've got this new guy here with this little dingle thing that he keeps fucking booping, but, you know, he's here. That dingle thing See? that keeps on booping. Look, it's just, it's just easier than fucking hitting, grabbing my mouse, bringing it off of one screen to my other screen and hitting mute. I, I get it. I wouldn't want to have to do things like the rest of us peasants if I didn't have to either. It's just easier. So I put my mic like <laughs> upside down. Uh, how you doing, brother? Uh, doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. Um, this card kind of sucks ass, but. Yeah. Other, other than that, doing pretty good. <laughs> I, I think collectively with all the cards we're about to go over here real quick, there's almost a single good cards worth of fights, but yeah, definitely it's piecemeal as fuck all the way around. There's and a, then across, oh, go ahead. There's a couple, there's a couple things that I'm kind of, kind of excited to see the uh, Edwards coming back after her last fight. Excited to see what she does. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But 
as is the case more often than not across the octagon from myself, as it were, my Wednesday night compatriot, my combat shit-talking homeboy, the one and only golf he vapes himself. How you doing, brother? I'm tired. Snow removal is a bitch when it's wet and heavy. Oof, uh, yeah, I don't wish that on anybody. Yeah, Got to be an adult sometimes, whether we like it or not. No, Ed, Unfortunately. all I'll say is at least there is something to watch this weekend. I had no idea what to do with myself this last Saturday. Like, I fucking I felt completely fucking out of stilts. There was no, wasn't even football on this last weekend. Because no. the whole break between championship games and Super Bowl, I'm like, well, fuck. That's, I, I told my wife the same myself. thing. I'm like, my whole timing is off. There's there's nothing, nothing. <laughs> yeah, I was like, just fucking completely streaming. I'm like, of all of the weeks they could have chose to not have a fight card. Fuck you guys. Right. I mean, don't yeah, get me no wrong. Shit. There was that small um, Polish card. Um, the K, yeah, KSW card with yeah, well, uh, the fucking nice Connor brawl. brawl. Yeah, the Connor Khabib fucking brawl over in Europe. Apparently, that mentality still strong over there. So, yeah. hey, what are you gonna do? <laughs> if you didn't see it, worth a watch just for the end of it. <laughs> yeah, no, that that a link to that video will absolutely be in the thread on the Discord. I can promise you that because that was a whole lot of oh shit going on. Yeah, definitely not yeah. something you expect in a smaller promotion like that. Well, yeah, for sure. Well, not to that extent. I was going to say, not that bad. You kind of expect a little kerfuffle here and there, possibly, but that was like, oh, damn. Like, yeah, that somebody's was about to throw a dolly in the ring. Pay per view type shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, there was better action after the fight than there was in the goddamn fight. Weird how that happened. Right? Like, don't you guys oh, but- all hang out there? right you know people will pay for this shit right (laughs) uh what are you gonna do though but um we have actually got a total of three cards going on this weekend um the first card that we have got that i just want to make a quick little mention of is actually going to be taking place saturday um but I still have not been able to get an actual response from either the uh, owner or the official business page yet as to how the fuck it's going to work. Um, what I'm talking about here is the High Rollers Jiu-Jitsu tournament here, the stoniest jits tourney in the land, uh, the competition where you quite literally compete for weed and must smoke before you compete. Um, it really, really does put a whole creative spin on that leveling the playing field because I don't care. Anybody can learn jujitsu. You can't learn to handle your shit. So it, it makes for some interesting matchups. Um, to their credit, generally, dudes who can hang fairly well are usually the ones who sign up. But there's always a couple rookies who think that they can get by and just like baby their way through it. And they will and have gotten called the fuck out. You better man up and hit that shit or you ain't getting in the fucking octagon. And I love that. That's the whole premise. Like everybody's getting baked together and then you're going to fucking compete. So there's no advantage everywhere. Like your jujitsu level doesn't fucking matter. This is about the total package here, being able to do it all literally. And I fucking love that. Um, this time for the high rollers four, um, they're actually doing it a little bit different. There isn't going to be the individual tournament bracket style like they've done previously. They're actually doing sponsored teams this go around. There are 20 teams. Um, they are using the EBI rule set, but a slight modification um, with EBI rules. When you go to overtime, there's a coin flip. 
somebody calls it that determines offensive defensive for the start off of the overtime rounds uh, in the high rollers tournament. If it comes to EBI style overtime, the referee picks based on the most aggressive or dominant fighter who will determine where they start out. So I think that's going to be a little telling if some of these matches get into overtime as well. Cause if you just got too fucking lit up and you can't move and you're getting rocked and ridden for your whole fucking exhibition round, uh, you're going to start out in a bad place in overtime too, because they go with the traditional EVI spiderweb arm bar or back take with the seatbelt in place. So there's no easy outs just because you managed to survive your way fucking heavy sweating and deep breathing through exhibition round. OT ain't going to be no favor for you. Um, I think it's going to be fucking excellent to see how it goes, but the little twist and rule set couldn't make a big difference, but we'll see. That's, that's going to kick off Saturday evening um just before the ufc card so i did want to give it just a quick little mention here because it's absolutely going to be something cool to keep an eye on but the bigger card that i want to mention here before we get into the ufc is tomorrow night's knuckle mania card um I genuinely almost feel bad for David Feldman for investing so much fucking money and company time and resource into promoting someone who was mediocre at best in their previous striking organization. But I get it, you know, tiny little figure with BKFC across the curbs is going to help draw a lot more eyes, even if they're temporary you know good for you on that one but before we get into that um i just really want to talk about the the main three fights i will give them a a i guess it's an initial head shake um they're opening the card by letting old man Hayam ghazali step in and bare knuckle um for those of you who don't know who Haim Ghazali is, to his credit, he is a legitimate legend in the jiu-jitsu world in the Middle East. In the jiu-jitsu world. Um, his son fights for Bellator. Not the greatest, not the worst. Still has a lot to work on, but there's some potential there. Uh, Bellator actually also let him fight on a card so they could do the father-son thing, much like they did with the racist McKee kid and, and dad. Um, but Hayam Ghazali did not show a whole lot of impressive striking fortitude in his Bellator, Bellator fight. Excuse me. Um, I do not anticipate to see a whole lot of spectacular striking from him in this. And, and I will say this, uh, they paired him up with a fucking no-name 50-something suit can. So they're giving him every opportunity to shine, just like Bellator did. Um but that the whole card has got kind of a weird setup to it. There are a couple of very interesting matchups, but the ones I actually want to get into here before we get to some UFC talk are the, the three that they are charging pay-per-view money for, which unto itself is a whole other conversation that we're not going to get into tonight. Um, the first one, the bantamweight belt is on the fucking line. Johnny Bedford versus Dat Win is going to be a fucking fireworks show. Dat Win is a tiny little Asian Floyd Mayweather. He has made his name from literally hands down 
ducking, dodging, and weaving anything and everything that has been thrown at him. The issue with that is that Johnny Bedford is not a swing wild throw haymakers kind of dude. He is literally a fucking sniper and also has the ability to step out, but follows with a counter instead of another fucking Bob and weave. So it's going to get real interesting. That win has got great elusiveness and decent striking, but Johnny Bedford is quick on his feet. And that motherfucker for a 135 pound dude hits like a tank. You watch the lights go out in Bantamweights when that dude connects. I think that win is going to make it a real interesting contest, but I don't think that belt is coming off of Johnny Bedford's waist. I think that belt stays around him. And I think like he said in the press conference yesterday, I think once he gets past that win, he's going to go up to 145. He's going to go after Aldridge and he's trying to be a champ, champ, champ. He's trying to do 35, 45 and 55 in BKFC and hold all three belts realistically he's got the frame to fucking do it he's got the hands to do it he's got the chin to do it it all starts with one step though you got to get past that win i think he can but i don't think it's going to be easy actually i'm not in a hundred percent agreement with you here I, I agree with the point of i don't think win wins this but i don't think um it's going to be hard for bedford at all Yes, he's elusive. However, <laughs> Wynn's hands are nowhere near as good as Bedford's. N- not by a long fucking shot. So I guess, yeah, you could put him in that category of um, Mayweather with how elusive he is and being able to not get hit. But when you're lacking the hands, this you can't roll punches in BKFC the same way you can in boxing, let them come off a shoulder and stuff like that. Yeah, There's no true. fucking gloves. So you can't roll something with no gloves when there's not this much extra padding on there. It it works temporarily for guys that aren't as good, good as Bedford, which is why he's gotten to where he's at, because the rest of the guys in that division are not to that same stature. Right. Makes perfect sense. He's made it there. I don't think this gets to the end of the fight. I think Bedford knocks him out. Oh, shit. I, I say interesting. no later than the middle of the third. Interesting. I, I think interesting it, uh, he'll get the job done. I really do. It's it, But then again, who knows? Maybe wins completely on fucking point and he's dip, dodging, ducking, dodging, dive, you know, just fucking... Right. Getting all of them out of the way. I guess if he's been practicing on dodging wrenches, he might be all right. I'm telling you, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. No, that win is he's fucking elusive, man. That motherfucker looks like he's fucking rubberized at the hip. But I, and man, I've Johnny, seen him in his other fights, but you look at what Bedford's done to all the other fighters that he's fought so yeah, far. That's what I'm saying. Johnny's a different breed. It's a different man. breed. Like there's levels to this sport, and he's on that next level. The only thing I don't like is the idea of him going after three titles. Namely for this reason. If you can get all the way up to 155 healthily and get back down to 135, that's there's not healthy there. Right. Yeah, that, that's a that's a wide range. Yeah, and to hold all three at the same time, I'm okay with you holding two at the same time, ten pounds apart, one thirty-five, right. one forty-five. Yes, by all means. 
Now, if you want to go after the 155, relinquish the 135 belt, hold the 145 and go after the 155. I'll still call you the triple champ. I'm okay with that. But right, yeah, as long as you hit all three. I just don't see it as a healthy option to be going up and down like that unless you're making permanent moves. If you're permanently right. planning on going to 145 and 155, cool. If not, dude, just stick to 135, 145. I'm all right with that big 10-pound, but if you have to defend at 155 and then your next defense is at 135 yeah that I, is, I think i think if he was 145 champion instead he wanted to both go down for 35 and up for 55 it would be a little easier because that yeah, would just be putting I, on a bulk and then cutting down a little i probably but i think going up to yeah i think going up to i think it might just be a bit much especially like you said if he goes up to 55 and then has to his next fight come back to 35 that's gonna fucking drain your body like a fucking oh, dish yeah, rag, it, it's not only is it gonna drain him but as far as his health wise that's fucking terrible to be doing shit like that yeah i mean don't and, me that's, wrong. and i i hate to even compare it but it does bear saying this may be one of the few times you'll hear me say something positive, but I do give credit for John Jones saying that once he goes to heavyweight, he's not coming back to 205 because he's physically changing his entire structure and his muscular system to s- not be that small anymore. That motherfucker is not small anymore. No, and he, I don't believe he's 240 either. Fuck that. That motherfucker's looking 65 ish. He might yeah. be. Granted, you know what? If he's 240, I'll be a motherfucker. That's but either a solid way, 240. That's a solid 240. But his frame has definitely changed because he's he doesn't look like a skinny bean pole anymore. He's yeah, he's fucking he's pretty filling out. <laughs> yeah. He's gonna be a scary man at fucking heavyweight. I don't it's gonna be yeah, it'll it's be fun be to watch. Interesting for sure. I'm glad to see him actually make the move though. Same sticking around at 205 for all these years and now going yeah. up a division dude why not you you've got the frame for it the height and the length you'll be fine at that until you have to face some of the guys with real fucking heavyweight power you know i think that's where um things will get interesting when he's got to fight somebody with like the francis and or even right eric lewis who can fucking one punch squat Fuck, him. yeah well, we saw what happened when Dominic Reyes clipped him, and we saw Jan Blahovich take Dominic Reyes' best shot and then fuck him up in return. So yep. it's going to be real interesting to see what happens when John gets hit by a legitimate heavyweight with fucking power because he's going to have it to give back. But it's been in that category for a while. Yeah. He he'll have the power to throw it to him, but he's not used to receiving that much fucking back. Yeah. And I'm hoping he's already sparring with heavyweights. Like, because if he's not he's really fucking stupid because he's got to get used to feeling the power even if it's at a at a sparring type right just to get the feel of it yeah Yeah, kamara usman style 60 (laughs) percent of fucking uh heavyweight versus 60 percent of a light heavyweight that's a big fucking difference fuck yes it is I don't see I don't see him being prepared at all for a fight like a Francis Ngannou uh Jones. That's there's no fucking way. The only thing I can say about Jones for that is he is look, if you go all the way back to his promotion entrance in the UFC, yep. 
he is a fantastically well-rounded fighter. Like he's he probably is. one of the most well-rounded fighters in all of MMA. As far as his ability to wrestle, defend takedowns, yeah. jiu-jitsu. I mean, we've seen him choke guys out standing on his feet. So I mean, it's he's well-rounded. I think he'll be all right when it comes to that. I think it's going to be a power issue and that whole difference in strength. Don't get me wrong. Oh, no, that's what I mean. Mass, but the difference in strength is going to be there. No, that's what I mean. The, 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 the power, the power aspect coming from somebody like the fucking heavy hitters of Nganu. Fuck, even, even the Reem. Yeah. Well, yeah, people. Look at Biggie Boy. Yeah. People Can't like forget that. about I fucking Biggie Boy either. Yeah. I don't think, I don't, I don't think that 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 power wise he's gonna be he's gonna be ready for that because yeah he's he is like and it's undeniable he is absolutely one of the most well-rounded people coming into now he is phenomenal even from his like his him him walking in as just John Jones but power aspect power wise he's gonna he's going to have big trouble getting up to the top of the stack and, and heavyweight. And it's going to have It'd be interesting to see. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. But how about that win? <laughs> Way to bring it full circle. <laughs> right. You just got to, you got to wrap it up sometimes. You're going to put a nice little. Yeah, bow on. We did kind of go off on the tangent there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It happens. But the other one that I want to talk about real quick here, uh, the actual co-main event, not the people's, but the actual co-main event, um, what I feel is going to be the the real banger of the card, not the fucking main event, which we'll laugh at in a minute. Um, the announced and confirmed retirement match for one Chris the Crippler Lieben stepping in against Quentin Henry. I will say this. Um, I think it's a good matchup style-wise because Henry's not going to shy away, but he also doesn't have the cleanest evasiveness. He's he's prone to take a shot to give a shot, I think is the best way to say it. And that's a bad game to play with Chris Lieben, especially if, if you saw him in the press conference yesterday. He got emotional about this. Like, he's not playing around. He understands that this is his last fight. Like he's still going to do broadcasting and shit. He's going to take the desk basically for BKFC. So they've got an intelligent, you know, former fighter on the bench, just like the UFC does, but he understands it and acknowledges that this is the last time he's going to lace up his fucking, he's going to wrap his fucking wrists and he's going to put them shorts on and climb into a fucking cage. And he's serious about this. He's not coming out here to pussyfoot around and give you guys a fucking show for five rounds. He's coming out here to put Quentin Henry on his fucking ass and hang his career on a fucking brutal knockout. The problem is that Quentin Henry standing across from him is just looking at this like another fight. And he's basically said as much. He didn't even take his fucking sunglasses off during the fucking stare down with Chris Lieben, knowing that you're fighting a fucking legend who is retiring win, lose, or draw after your match didn't have the fucking common courtesy and respect to take his fucking sunglasses off. That's a bad move. Chris Lieben is not one to overlook. He never fucking has been. He's not in the UFC anymore because he was somebody that was easy to fucking get by. He's not in the UFC anymore because the level of full rounded game surpassed him. 
And when it did, he switched to focus on fucking striking. And that boy is an angry gorilla full of ink right now. He knows exactly what this fight means. And he knows what fucking up and letting Quentin Henry take this moment from him would mean. I like Quentin. I think he's another one who's got a great fucking future in BKFC because he is a fucking brawler. He is what Roy Nelson could have been if he would have stopped playing jujitsu and went straight to fucking striking. But you got to get past the fucking crippler before you can do anything. And I don't think he's going to be able to do that. I think Lieben puts him out in the second. I'm in agreement here, uh, especially with Lieben going out on his on it. That dude, no matter what happens, Lieben, he will go out fucking swinging for the goddamn fences. Damn right but he will. For people who aren't familiar with him, especially of the younger generation, you need to go back to his early UFC days, even the middle of his UFC career. Fuck yeah. That dude, he took a licking and kept on ticking. A lot of times, he really wouldn't start fighting until he was almost knocked out. That's, that's what I was going to say. He had that fucking Rocky syndrome way back in the day where he didn't turn on until you clipped him once or twice. You get him once or twice real good, and you saw the fucking light switch flip, was, and then oh, you're fuck, fucked. Yeah, that's right. I'm here to fight. Yep, then you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, he was either he was he reminded me of fucking um him and what's his fucking name fought uh Forrest Griffin at the first Ultimate Fighter uh Stephen Bonner or yeah him and Stephen Bonner cut from the same fucking cloth. They Damn were either bleeding right. or almost knocked out before they started fighting. And yep. once that happened, you were guaranteed fireworks. And this is no different. The best part about this is. Lieben doesn't have to worry about a fucking takedown anymore. And to be honest, for him, that's the best thing in the world because he's always been a very great striker, uh, but he's more of a brawler striker. However, the caveat to that statement is he's always been very accurate with his strikes. So he does connect. Don't get me wrong. He does throw a lot of winging shots that miss, but for the most part, he's been pretty good. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I give this one to Lieben. Uh, I think knowing he's going to retire, this gives him one last fucking hurrah of let's go out on a high note. And dude, I, Henry looking at this as just another fight, I think is a terrible idea. Don't me wrong. Henry's shown some fucking great promise for BKFC. Yeah, that the, dude's a monster. Stylistically, the way he fights, he's perfect for bkfc that's the kind of fighter that they made bkfc for but dude you can't just look and leave him like that man you're literally going to be fighting a legend a living fucking legend he's literally to be honest i would put as far as legend status i would put him in the same category as boss rootin when it comes to the type of fighter and the way that he's yeah Uh, he's never been to the same pinnacle that boss rutin has had but he's got that same sort of status like right we've talked to a lot of older gen i say older generation like we're that fucking old but (laughs) we talked to a lot of us that have been watching mixed martial arts since the fucking mid 90s before it was the end thing back when there was pride and all that fucking when UFC was, you come in here with fucking one boxing glove and shit. 
a lot of people will look at him and go, yeah, that dude's an absolute fucking legend. He's been around a long time. He was fighting all the way back to when Mark Coleman was fighting. Now, some of you guys might not even know who Mark Coleman is. And that's perfectly all right, because that just tells me you're a little young and haven't been paying the attention to the sport as long as I have. No, the dude's he's an honest fucking legend, and I, it's going to be cool to see him go out. Um, that's one that I will definitely be watching. I can guarantee that. Um, of all the fights that are on the main card here, that's the one I, I, I'm, I'm more than willing to watch. The rest of them, meh, they just come with the price of admission. This is more. This is more so my main event. Yeah, likewise. Like my my only issue is Quentin. I don't. I don't watch a lot of BKFC. I don't get a lot of time to do to like watch stuff outside of uh, the last couple of fights, typically on Saturdays because of work, but. Quentin absolutely has fucking phenomenal promise and potential in BKFC. He just fucking wrecked himself because of the attitude, like both of you said, the attitude coming into this fight. Levin is one of the, even in the UFC days, whenever, whenever he really started to take a step, take a step back, when everybody else just fucking took off, it was the hardest fuck to not, to not leave him out. He was one of the very few people that could be fucking rocked backpedaling and still take a W. He was one of those people that weebles wobbles, but they don't fucking fall down. It's it. That man has one of the most impressive runs of fucking highlight knockouts. Like, it's going to be great to see him still wanting to be in the sport, but him knowing that like this is it and this motherfucker has the audacity to do this. I'm breaking his fucking jaw. Like he's like, he's going to be fucking hot. He's going to make Quentin remember like you fucked up. Don't do this again to anybody. You fucked up. Yep. It's going to yep. be fucking great. I agree. I agree. And the best part was that, while the live press conference was going on and you saw Quentin Henry do that shit, they posted one of those UFC style like tweet corners and Joey fucking Beltran tweeted in never sleep on Chris Levin. The fucking heavyweight champ, the fucking belt holder tweets in, you better not fucking sleep on that man while Henry's actively fucking doing it. Like you can't say you didn't get fucking warned. You had every opportunity to not fuck this up for yourself, Quentin. We'll see, though. We'll see. Because that, glitter shiny, glitter shiny, glitter shiny, will bring us into the main event, I say unenthusiastically, for Knuckle Mania tomorrow night. 12-gauge Paige Van Zant making her bare-knuckle fighting championship debut against Britain fucking Hart. Um, I will say this. Credit to Paige Van Zant for accepting the call-out once she had signed with BKFC because she was sitting cage-side with the uh, owner, the president, David Feldman, watching some matches. Britain Hart 
knocked a girl the fuck out, immediately walked across the fucking cage, grabbed the microphone, pointed at Paige and said, you're fucking next. Here we are. Paige took that fucking call out and we're about to see that match. The biggest problem with this fight is that at no point in her career amateur till now has she ever even in a joking condescending way been known for her striking she has and always was a grappler and or the jujitsu girl if she could get you and wrap you up she wanted to get that submission and get out of there pretty those swimsuit pictures don't take themselves that's not Britain Hart, though. Britain Hart has quite literally punched her way up from the fucking gutter as an amateur, and she doesn't have the greatest fucking record. She took her fucking lumps. But you know what? She didn't lose. She learned, and she got better, and she trained more, and she changed her game up, and she got new fucking coaching, and she got a dietitian, and she's got a full fucking camp now. She's got a full proper crew. And she's been putting the fucking work in. And if you watch just the open workouts, man, Britain Hart's striking is fucking beautiful. She is such a crisp fucking boxer, and her movement is very, very smooth. The problem is that Paige Van Zant is going to want to dance a lot she did when she was in the ufc she's gonna do it when she gets into bkfc she has never liked being hit even when there was four ounce gloves on and now it's nothing but fucking wraps you ain't got shit but knuckles and cheekbones sweetheart this one's gonna leave a fucking mark i give her credit all the credit in the fucking world for accepting this call out and thinking that she actually has what it takes to quote unquote be the face of the bkfc organization but in reality, I don't anticipate uh, anticipate her making it past the third round. I think she's going to come out and she's going to try and play rabbit games early. She's going to try and throw a lot of long jabs and do a lot of circle side running, very Holly Holm style. But I think by the time that Britain gets her fucking timing figured out and starts cutting her off, which she will, it's going to get real bad for Paige real fucking fast. And I think it's Britain Hart by murder round three. I'm still coming to terms with this um, for this reason. <laughs> I can't, for the life of me, figure out why Paige Van Zandt signed with BKFC. I know they dumped a buttload of money at her feet, a buttload. And you know what? I'm not mad at them because this is going to bring eyes. And you know what? The more eyes, the better. And the wonderful thing said, is... Even if they're temporary, it'll work. I think this will bring more than temporary eyes, though, uh, for this reason. They'll see what good strikers they do have over here because they've got some pretty solid strikers on the card. I mean, especially in this oh, yeah. main on the main portion of the card. Now, what people are actually going to be tuning in for is to expect Paige Van Zandt to come in here and do some sort of miraculous three sixty from being a fucking lackluster MMA fighter to fucking all of a sudden oh my god she's an amazing boxer no she's fucking not look 
I give Paige a lot of credit for this reason. She does not have to fight if she doesn't want to. That girl is a model if she wants. She would make plenty of fucking money. But she chooses to fight. She's had multiple... She's How many surgeries did she have on her fucking arm that was broken? Like three or five? Or five, yeah. I think she's either four or five now, yeah. She still keeps coming back to fight. So obviously, she enjoys fighting. Good on her. But Paige, you're a terrible striker. And I mean that with all due respect. Don't get me wrong. You made it to the UFC. You won a couple of fights. You beat the current BKFC champ. However, you submitted her, not with strikes, because if it comes to having to fight Rowdy Beck in BKFC, you're going to get cleaned the fuck out. That's, I mean, look what she did to who you're fighting this weekend. She put an absolute yes, clinic on her. Yep. But I don't see Paige. I, I, to be honest, I don't think Paige is going to get knocked out. But I think she's going to get cut the fuck up bad. Like, and, she's not going to be as pretty tomorrow, Saturday morning. Look at how many fights that she was in in UFC where she was just cut the fuck up. And just sliced the hell. Between elbows and shit. Hot bloody mess. She can take a beating. We've seen yeah. her do it before. Usually she ended up losing not because of knockouts, but because of fucking submissions. So this is the one chance she's going to have to just take her beating and call it a day. I think she, I think she's going to make it the distance, namely because she is good at dancing. She will fucking ride that bike all the way around that motherfucker for as long as she possibly can. And to be honest, I wish her well here because um, I don't want to see her back in MMA. It just don't. She's not been that good. She's been a face. And that's what BKFC is paying for right now as a face, in my opinion. Unless she somehow got the greatest striking coach in the world to fucking get her 100% on point. But that's not something you learn overnight. The boxing, bare knuckle boxing as it is, is a completely different art form. It's a completely different from even regular boxing. Yes, the strikes are the same style, but it's still completely different because you have to throw and block completely different. It's a whole different ball of wax. And I don't think she's going to learn that in the what? Under, oh, she's been signed for BKFC for what, nine months? Six months. Yeah, yes. a little over six months, nine months. Yeah. Less than a year for sure. Yeah, because she announced it right after her last fight in the UFC. Like, it was within a month of that last fight in the UFC. She was signed with BKFC. We're going, oh, so she might fight in three months. No, they gave her six months to time to figure out the striking, but I don't think that's going to help. I, this is It's a lifetime thing that you learn over years and years and years. Unfortunately, Paige Vincent, way better at jujitsu than she is striking, and her jujitsu leaves something to be desired if that says anything. I just don't understand her, her thought process of going to just BKFC with her lackluster skills on her feet. Like she's decent with ground game. Why not go to to a submission style, submission underground, go to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu style competition? I just don't understand the thought process. Unless she wants to 
become well-rounded and then step over to Bellator or somewhere like that. I just don't understand the thought her her thought process behind this because that like I have decent stand up. I have no f- fucking chance against somebody on the the fucking level of BKFC. Even people that are just getting in to the fucking business. Me and them are fucking miles apart from, from, from each other. She has little to no fucking uh, skill or anything with her hands. I think this is a really stupid idea. I think that she's really going to understand that after this fight. You know, there is only one other thing that I can think of that would make this fight more worthwhile. And that's somebody stuffing Stephen A. Smith in front of this and putting toothpicks in his eyelids to force him to fucking watch women fight. Yeah. Just to be I know we weren't talking news, but that dude's an absolute shitbag, in my opinion, after the bullshit he said. But, you know, to each their own, how he still works for ESPN, I don't fucking know. Yeah. No, she's, she's going to be in a definitely a rough spot because it's definitely not her forte. However, who knows? Maybe she'll surprise us. And if that's the case, I'll shit a chicken, a farmer, and a coop to go with it. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's going to be a warm day on the cold side of hell if that comes out easy. But uh, <laughs> it's it's always a possibility, as they say. So the only way to find out for sure about that one is going to be to tune in tomorrow evening for BKFC Knuckle Mania, I say sarcastically. Uh, seriously though, if if you're not hardcore about it, don't spend the fucking sixty five dollars on that pay per view. Every fucking replay you'll need to see will be out Saturday morning on every Facebook page and every Instagram page you can fucking find. Uh, if you're not as hardcore as some of us are, don't fucking spend your money on that. Don't fucking encourage them bringing over mediocre fucking strikers to try and promote the organization. That being said, though, first and foremost, before we get into this UFC card. Happy Black History Month. If that statement offends you, turn this broadcast off because this ain't the place for you. One of our favorite show or on the show here, one of our favorite fighters is one of the most predominant black men in the UFC, Mike fucking Perry. So you just need to take your racist ass and get the fuck on if that bothers you. If it doesn't, welcome to the shit show. You're going to have fun here. Uh, As long as you can get past that, you're going to like it here. Uh, so that being said, um, like we kind of alluded to earlier, this weekend's UFC card is the first card back in Las Vegas after the start to 2021 kicked off in Abu Dhabi. This is our first back in Vegas show here. Um, they are actually doing something different with this one. This will be the beginning of the sweepstakes towards, I think they said it's going to be for 259. Um, they are building towards the first ever spectators in the UFC Apex. Um, their fans are not going to be back in full attendance. They are setting up a, a a series of like groups for like you and a couple friends to do little socially distanced like pod watches kind of thing, but in the fucking Apex in person again. So 
is going to be really important for these guys and gals that come out this weekend and put on a hell of a fucking show to remind folks that you still want to see this shit in person. This isn't going to be the Florida crowd watching BKFC tomorrow night that's going to be half in the fucking bag and screaming no matter what happens. UFC is a different breed, and to get into the apex and be the first fans there, that's going to be a big deal. And Dana's not going to be fucking around. I'm kind of inclined to believe he's going to be a little more liberal with the bonuses between now and then he's going to be trying to encourage great performances in the apex between now and when they actually bring these fans back in the problem is that that build-up starts with this weekend's ufc overeem versus volkov card um i will say this up front there is a lot of potential for great fights on this card. But there's not a lot of name power. There are some really good stylistic matchups, excuse me, but there are not a lot of impactful matchups as far as rankings or divisions go. There's not a lot of big name stars that every John Dick and Harry would recognize on this card. There's a couple, but this was definitely not built to be the massive coming back to Las Vegas card because We've got another pay-per-view coming up just right around the fucking corner and another one coming up right behind that. So this is almost the best filler they could put together to bring it back to Vegas kind of card. That being said, there are absolutely some interesting matchups and some interesting fighters that I do want to mention here before we get into a couple of breakdowns. Um, Prelims specifically... Yusuf Zalal is finally getting back into action, and that motherfucker is allergic to putting on boring fights. I absolutely encourage you guys to keep an eye on those prelims if you're interested, because I'm telling you right now, Zalal is coming here to fucking wreck house. Um, Meatball Molly is on the prelims fighting the leftovers of what Carol Rosa just finished her last fight out. Meanwhile, Carol Rosa is going to be stepping in to take on Jocelyn Edwards, who we just saw her last time out look fucking spectacular here. And to top it all off, one of everybody's favorite new up-and-coming little guys, Martin Day, is on this card to bounce around and get shit popping. And I'm telling you right now, I'm betting he's gonna. So the first fight I do want to actually get into and, and break down just a little bit here is going to be Devonte Smith versus Justin James. Now, this was a last minute put together because originally Justin James was going to be facing another opponent who unfortunately was not able to make it. So instead of scrapping this card, they managed to pull Devonte Smith up and give him another crack at things. The bad thing, excuse me, the bad thing for Devonte Smith is that the last time we saw him out there he got cleaned the fuck out by Kama Worthy. The good news for him is that karma was in his favor because Kama Worthy then went out and got his fucking clock cleaned in his next match out. So in the weird roundabout way that the universe works, they are definitely giving Devontae Smith a chance to kind of make people forget about that oh shit moment that Kama Worthy put him through. The problem is he's doing that on short notice against a guy like Justin James, who, much like Zalal, is allergic to boring fights. 
every single time we have seen Justin Jane step in the octagon, somebody gets fucking hurt. This is another one of those guys that if the UFC, for whatever fucking reason, decides that they don't want to keep him, that dude needs to run, hop, skip, and jump as quick as he fucking can and get his ass over to BKFC because this boy is a fucking brawler and he hits like a goddamn tank for the fucking little guy side of things. I have yet to have a single fucking reason to give even a fucking iota of doubt to Justin James based on what we have seen him do. And we have seen Devontae Smith get his clock clean by a mediocre striker. And I'm telling you right fucking now, Justin James is way better than mediocre in the striking department. I think this is going to be a bad night for Devontae Smith. And I like him, but I think Justin James is just a bad stylistic matchup for him. And when you stack on top of that, he literally took this fight a fucking week ago. That is too short of a time to game plan and change up enough of your style to counteract the fucking fire that Justin James is going to bring. I think this goes bad. I don't think uh, Mr. Devontae Smith sees round three. I think he gets ended in two. Before I talk about this fight, there's one thing I have to jump back to, and that's the Molly McCann fight. For one quick second, and one quick second only, I've come up with a nickname for Laura Procopio. Purely because we've seen her in a couple bouts here recently. Has anybody noticed? She has no fucking neck. Her head is literally attached to her shoulders. Yeah. So it's new nickname, Laura, no neck, Procopio. Okay. Moving back on to something that actually matters now. Um, but uh, props to Devontae Smith for taking this on short notice because, uh, I mean, granted, you really don't have much of a choice after you just took a pretty bad fucking KO. And we haven't seen him in the octagon since that was 2000, end of 2019 when that happened, I think. Yep. So it's been over a year. Basically, he was sitting and collecting dust, possibly on the cut line. This is his chance to get off the cut line. I mean, it's, I mean, the, fuck, they just released four other fighters today um, that I saw. Um, only one of them that was semi noteworthy, but the rest were all shit. But anyhow, right. yeah, this is, this is going to be his, I think, his final chance. Because look, he won his first two coming into the UFC. And then he just got absolutely demolished to Kama Worthy. And well, we saw what happened to Kama Worthy after that fight. Uh, yeah. Now, Justin is not without fault here either. I, I want to make that very clear. He's getting, been beaten up a couple times. But he's always exciting. You're not going to see anything boring out of him. And exciting for Devontae Smith, that's a bad fucking thing right now. He needs boring, a boring fighter in front of him, not an exciting fighter. He needs a boring fighter that he's going to have time to work on, especially on short notice. Hey, plus side short notice fights, neither fighter is ready for each other because they haven't had time to study each other that much. So, I mean... Yeah, Tick and Devontae's calm, but there's like 50 other ticks over on the other side of the board. Saying, I don't think it's panning out too well for his UFC career. And that sucks because his first two fights in the UFC looked fantastic or yeah. fantastically promising. Right. So, I mean, it is what it is. This is the fight business. And fortunately, I think it's time that uh, he's got to go. 
I agree. And I like Devontae Smith. I got nothing against him whatsoever. I thought he was going to be, you know, one of the next big fucking up and comers, but it seems like he tripped over his own dick and fell real hard. And maybe that's what it was. It was maybe it was his one stumble that he needed to get back on the horse. Cause I mean, you see a lot of fighters like that without that one big loss at a, at a big level, they don't ever amount to anything. So maybe that's what he needed to get his shit back together. Who knows? This is true. For for both of them, as both of you gentlemen say, this is that shit or get off the pot sort of situation. Um, Devontae Smith is coming off a fucking nasty loss of Worthy, but Justin James, he's on a two-fight skid. But with the press that he's done, he he seems like he's getting back to what he was whenever he was just fucking taking people's heads off. He he looks like he's like he's got his head on straight. He is fucking squared away, and he is here to do fucking business. He's uh. Like the last two fights, just something wasn't right. Something wasn't going on. Something was going on in his personal life. He's got shit back together. And with him saying that and with how he he has been talking and just the overall appearance, I have a huge, a, a huge feeling that the Justin James that was here in beginning a 2020 and into 19 I was just taking people's fucking heads off the motherfucker's back and that's a scary some bitch so based off of that I I have to go I have to go with Jane's well and the other thing you have to take into consideration is that both of Justin's last two losses were short notice quick turnaround fights yeah. like he fought in June and yep. then he fought again in August and fought Gavin fucking tough, excuse me, Gavin Tucker, who was a fucking banger himself. That was a great fucking match. And then that he was. turned around and fought in fucking August in or not August in the beginning of December again after that. So like he put in three quick fucking turnaround fights last year and only ended the la- only lost the last two and both of them being quick turnarounds and both of them still being good matches against fucking, you know, decent names. I didn't lose no faith in Justin James. I still no. think he got it. <laughs> but that, unfortunately, will bring us to the what apparently – actually, never mind. They have changed the fucking card around since I finished up my notes an hour ago. So uh, what originally was scheduled to be the, quote, premier prelim fight – uh, Michael Johnson versus Clay Guida has now actually been moved up to the middle of the fucking main card into the people's main event spot. And they have changed the prelim, the premier prelim fight to Mike Rodriguez versus Daniel Marquez, who I give no shits about either way here. So we're going to go right into the fucking main card because that's stupid. So that, unfortunately, will bring us to the first fight of the fucking main card, which will be Diego Ferreira versus Biniel Dariush. Unlike what 
will be the snooze fest of the premier prelim fight now. The uh, opening match of the main card has a lot of potential for excitement here. Um, both of these guys are very well-rounded. Both of these guys are very seasoned, if not in the UFC, then overall. Um, these are two perfect examples of guys who are excellent fighters, who are very well-rounded, but just aren't quite to that literal top three, top five tier. These guys are both perfect examples, of my opinion, of what the embodiment of the number 10 gatekeeper is. If you can't get past either one of these gentlemen, I don't think you deserve a number behind your name. I like both of these guys, and I think both of their styles are very, very complete and very complementary in this in this matchup here. Um, but I just have a hard time giving either one the nod. Uh, Diego Ferreira is a fucking monster, but we're also talking about Benyel Dariush, who is coming off of the 2020 comeback of the year performance awarded by the UFC. Uh, neither one of these dudes can really be counted out. I think it's going to be a great matchup, but I honestly cannot tell you who I think is going to win it. They are that close in my opinion. Next one's going to be a tough one, Nicole. Um, however, um, looking at this, I think um, people have been sleeping on Benil Dariush way too much. He's tripped over his own dick, and it's caused him to fall back. He was on a fucking moonshot for the top when he first came into the UFC, and he fucking stumbled, smashed his face, ran his dick over the whole fucking nine yards. But if you look what he did last year, the end of 2019, and then coming in through 2020, the dude is on absolute fucking fire. I think, to be honest, I think he is a top five fighter right now. Maybe not top five, but you could, you could potentially see him fight a top five fighter, no fucking yeah. problem. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, to be honest, I think it was just he stumbled fucking... He had a stumble there where he lost a couple fights, and... Some of those were really close, but at the same time, you can't leave it in the judge's hands. And it, he's fucking firecracker. But Diego Ferreira, on the other hand, he's a fucking firecracker at lightweight too. Now, the lightweight division as a whole is really fucking stacked, so it's a tough pile to move in. So this is like for these two guys, this is a fight that gives you that opportunity to call out somebody in the top fucking. Seven, I would say. Recognizable, yeah. Five, seven, even maybe a number four. You have a right. If you do some fantastic work, put if either guy puts either guy away right there, that's an easy fucking, yeah, I want to call out somebody in the top fucking seven or so. You know? That's that's Tony, basically. Yeah, that's a, yeah, you're Tony's basically. The only, yeah, you're calling out, the winner calls out Tony Ferguson, basically. Yeah, right now, that, that would make sense for this fight, because Tony is definitely tripped over his own dick. Oh yeah, yeah. he's he's hit, he's sitting at a hard number seven right now, and he earned that fucking spot. Yeah, and yeah, I think either one of these guys have every right to fight fight him next, like yeah, without a doubt. I mean, although I will say you can get uh, Nate Diaz to come off the couch and beat both of their asses, but you know, uh, well, no, technically he confirmed this week he is a welterweight now. Oh yeah, that's true. Fair enough. That's right. We're, 
per like his that. own fucking words. So, you know, you want to fight it fucking lightweight, you shouldn't have come out and said, I'm a welterweight now, period. So, yeah. But yeah, either <laughs> way, th- this, I think this fight has um, the possibility of being major fireworks on the card and possibly sleeper fight of the night here. Yes, I agree. Oh, for me, the only way I I see two possibilities coming out of this. Both these guys can take a fucking beating. Everybody knows that. If it's a finish, it would be, I have a feeling it would be on Darius getting the W. If it goes down to a decision, it's fucking uh, Diego. Diego can fucking for somehow, some way that motherfucker can take a beating like no fucking other. Oh, dude, I totally would. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> you gotta remember, man. I got I got I, I got another monitor over here now. I keep chat open at all times. Um, uh, he can take a beating like no fucking other and still come off with a decision victory because he, he can, he can point fight. So if it goes down to the decision, he's got the W, but I think if there's a stoppage, it would be a W for their use. That's the only, the only ways I can see it happening. The two possibilities. I could see that. Either way, I, I agree with TJ completely. I think this is absolutely, A, one of the most slept-on fights on the card, but B, literally potential dark horse for fight of the fucking night right here. I think I think this has got the, the potential to be the greatest fight we see Saturday night. Moving on from there, um, we have what is probably the most unpredictable fight on this card. Um Cody Stamen now welcoming in their debut Askar Askar. Uh, we literally have no information about Mr. 2X Askar uh, other than he has decided to take a fight with Cody Stamen on short notice to make his debut. Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, I have very little doubt Cody Stamen is going to be 100% capable and ready to fucking perform come Saturday night, but that could all go out the window if Askar Askar shows up and just turns out to be a fucking world breaker that nobody knew was coming. Keep your eyes peeled, folks. There's no fucking way to tell on this one here. You know, I'm hoping for his sake that he's really fucking good. Otherwise, he's going to get really demolished. I agree. I don't want to see a guy make his debut and just get fucking molly whopped. I like to see it at least be competitive. But you know, got to get your foot in the door somehow. Although getting it slammed in the door is probably not what you were looking for. That's all (laughs) I'm saying. And I'm hoping that's not the case. Either way, taking this fight on short notice, if that doesn't give you the right to another fight in the UFC, I think it's absolute bullshit. Agreed. But I know the UFC does some pretty shoddy practices, so I wouldn't doubt seeing some shit like that happen. 
true. We've seen Dana do much shadier shit for much fucking worse reasons. So I have a tab of of his info for people that don't know who who he is. Uh out of the US entirely as a bantamweight, he's ranked 6 as a pro fighter, number 1 in Indiana, and out of the entirety of the Midwest, he's ranked number 2. So he he, he has he has promise um so he's got a little fought, experience under his belt fought in the, the 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 lfa for about four years so he's got he's got some promise coming for that. he's got some promise coming into the ufc and his record is fucking like the people he's fought he's taking zeros from people everybody that that, that he's fought six and oh eight and oh nine and oh shit like that He's a, he's a, he's, that's very fucking weird to see. He's just taking people's undefeated streaks. But, Interesting. but that's LFA. This is UFC. We know how, how, how Stamen before forms. We don't know how he's going to perform on big time with the fucking big dogs of the world right so right. just for that in its own i have to give it to salmon i could because, agree with that because like you know a lot of the a lot of the people that are big prospects big names big hype coming in that first fight why it's fucking blind you yeah we've, we've seen that happen to several people who came in with the biggest fucking hype train in the world behind them and when those fucking bright lights hit you boy it's different it's fucking different. And yeah, we've seen some dudes who just shine like fucking diamonds in previous organizations come over to the UFC and those fucking flashes come on and the fucking crowd hits you and you just fall right under your fucking nose and can't pick up. But I mean, it, he, he, he looks, he looks promising his good. He's got, he has promise coming in. I'd, and I'd really like to see what he does with this year. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I, I got nothing against the guy. Like I said, I don't know shit about him. And I like I said, I don't want to see a dude come in and get fucking molly up. I want to see it be competitive. Whether he can get past Cody or not, yeah. I want to see him put up a fucking good match here. I don't want to see Cody just come in and fucking ragdoll this kid. But it's, you know, there's a couple of fucking big debuts going down on this card tonight. So there's another one we'll talk about in just a minute here. Yeah. But unfortunately, because the UFC is fucking stupid for some reason, uh, they have moved around the card, and then after this fight will be one of those debuts that I was alluding to just a moment ago here. Uh, they are going to throw Alexandre Pantoja against the former uh, – oh, shit. Was he Cage Warriors? Now I can't fucking remember. Hang on just a second. I believe he was Cage Warriors. Now I got to double check because I don't want to sound like an asshole. And I didn't write that part down in my notes for some fucking reason. <laughs> Where the fuck did Kate come from?
actual clock. Here we go. So he was with, was he only with Ryzen? I could have sworn he was with LFA as well. No, I guess he was just Ryzen. Okay. So I apologize. I thought I thought he was LFA, but apparently not the case. Uh, Manel Cape, the former Ryzen champion, uh, now coming over to the UFC to make his debut, and they are going to throw Alexandre Pantoja at him. Um, I am not a fan of Pantoja. I never have been. I think he is one of those fighters that after every single win, no matter how big it was, he talks shit about the champion and thinks that he deserves a shot at the belt. Uh, he is, let's see, I believe he's six now. No, he's five now. Excuse me. He's currently number five, but I'm pretty sure I have heard him call for quote unquote, his title shot at least four times now on his way to getting to be number five, which slow your fucking roll champ. When you're top five and you beat another top five, dude call for that fucking shot at the strap. That's how you earn that shit. And that's how they can't deny you that shot at the fucking strap. When you're number fucking 12 and you beat 11, you don't call for a fucking title shot, especially not when there's a division full of fucking killers above you who have earned their legitimate title shot. And there are in the process of working that shit out. Um, I have big hopes that Manel Cape comes in and just fucking flatlines that fucking loud mouth because what I want rarely ever happens. I have a feeling that Pantoja is going to find some fucking way to slip around and get lucky here. But what I want to see is Manel Cape make a beautiful debut by putting Pantoja on his fucking ass and proving that he deserves to be here. We can only help. And I say only help because to be honest, I don't think Cape's that good as much as it pains me to say that. And I just don't know that he's going to have the wherewithal to make it in the UFC. And no, got to give credit where credit is due. Pantoja has won some decent fights. He's had some extremely close fights as well, but I still think he's a step ahead of Gabe, um, which is a bummer because I really don't like Alexander Pantoja either. There's something about that guy that not just the way that he's called people out, but there's been something about the way that he's carried himself in the UFC since he's got in the UFC that has bothered the ever living shit out of me. Right. I can't, and I can't put my finger on it to save my fucking life, but there's something about that dude that makes your fucking skin crawl. Yeah, it's like he's doing some fucking backwards fucking under the table shit that it just something just doesn't seem right with him. And you know, maybe I'm fucking wrong. And that's okay. But possibility. I, I'm right there with you if that's the case. That's what I felt. So I mean I think I I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty sure almost without a shadow of a doubt Pantoja went this, albeit I don't want him to. I just don't think Cape is up to the that level yet. I think he could well get there, but I mean, 
Who knows? The dude, the dude is yoked in. He, we've seen the power he's had in fucking Ryzen. Yeah. So I mean, it, it'll yeah, be. He's absolutely capable of putting a dude on his ass. That's for damn sure. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. You're in the 125 pound division, so there's not a lot of guys at 125 that can put people on their ass, but. Right. Who knows? Maybe he can come in and pull some Davidson Figueroa's type shit and just start fucking knocking motherfuckers out. And if that's the case, yes, please sign me up. Right? Right? <laughs> we need more of that in the 125 pound division. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Damn right. Damn right. So the, the, the only thing that I find hilarious is that he's screaming and hollering to get the uh, title fight. Didn't the current champ uh, whoop his ass to get the Beat belt him like a fucking rug? Yep. On on uh, on his way up. So you already yep. lost on the way up, and Figueroa's only gotten fucking better. What makes you think that you stand even a chance against him since he has evolved and progressed far further than anybody else? the last time you fought him. Um, I can agree. I don't like him. He's a crybaby little bitch. I I would love to see him get absolutely ragdolled. I don't want to see him get knocked out. I just want to see him get ragdolled. ragdolled. I'd, I'd love to see that man get absolutely fucking humiliated. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see Cape do that. I mean, he's got the power, so... He 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 definitely has has that that the the chance to throw him around that fucking octagon. Sorry about that. I got a dog with a cone on his neck that has to shit right now. <laughs> oh okay so that being said speaking of dog shit that will bring us right into the fight that the ufc has for no good fucking reason moved to the middle of the fucking main card instead of keeping it on the prelims where it fucking belonged michael johnson versus clay guida now this is kind of the opposite of the Chris Lieben fight that we talked about earlier. This is a living legend standing in front of you that realistic hasn't been at his living legend status in about seven fights or so. Um, the problem is that regardless of the deterioration we have noticeably seen in Clay Guida's performance, he can still take a fucking shot like nobody's business. The problem is how much longer are we really going to have to watch Clay Guida take shots? There is not another Diego Sanchez fight left in Clay Guida. And I get that he said that when I don't think I can do this anymore, I'll be the first one to put the gloves down and pick up a fishing pole. But clearly he's not watching his own goddamn fights. Because if he was, he'd have picked that fishing pole up a half a dozen fucking matches ago. The problem 
is that Michael Johnson is right there in that same fucking vein. We have seen Michael Johnson at one point in his career put on some spectacular performances against some notable fucking names. And we have also watched him get dropped like a sack of potatoes multiple times from some questionably lighter than would normally be necessary shots. Uh, Michael Johnson has got what we like to refer to as deteriorating chin. Uh, It may have started as granite, but it is merely left with rubble at this point, and it cannot take big shots. The good thing for him is that Clay Guida doesn't have in the tank what's left to throw those kind of big shots anymore. So this is just going to be a mediocre slap fest for three fucking rounds right before we get into the co-main and main event. Honestly, I give zero fucks who wins this fight. I just don't want to see either one of these guys on a fucking main card again. I don't care if we get the best fucking knockout in the world from either one of them. I don't want to see either of them on a fucking main card again. They are both prelim fighters at this point. If you're going to keep them on the roster, keep them there. Put them in the 60. Right? Yeah, this fight bugs me uh, for more than one reason. I've been hoping that Clay Guida would retire. Not because I don't want to see Clay Guida fight, because I do. Because nostalgia. Right. I mean, you go back to his early days at the UFC, the dude was an animal. He's still a fucking animal. I'll say it. I'll say it right out right. He's still a fucking animal. Look at the way he comes in. He's wild from the start to the finish. Whether he's going to sleep or not, he's going in wild and crazy. And he has no fucking off switch. He's like the Energizer Bunny. There's one thing you can give Clay Guida. His gas tank for fucking days. That is the one thing in his career that has not diminished. Everything else? Yeah, well, I say everything else, but namely his chin has fucking diminished terribly. But his gas tank? No. His gas tank still fucking full. And I think that's the thing where he said, when I know I can no longer do this, I'll pick up a fishing pole. Guess what? I think it's because he he still got a gas tank, and that's his problem. And unfortunately, because of the type of person he is, he's going to have that gas tank for a long fucking time. Way back in the day, my cousin used to train and used to fight. He had a chance to train with Clay a couple times. There's no outworking that man. Oh, yeah, I believe that. He's, he's like, there's no outworking that man. They would go from grappling drills to push up and sit ups and he'd be doing push ups, but inverted feet on a wall. So he's upside down, basically doing shoulder press push ups just because he fucking could. And he would do more than everybody else doing regular push ups. He's just that kind of fucking person. The downside to this is because he's so long in the tooth, those teeth are getting in the way, not allowing him to close his mouth. So he gets knocked out very fucking easy. That's that diminishing returns. Uh, Michael Johnson, he has not been the same fighter in fucking five years now. At least. He was, he had some really good promise. I didn't, I never liked Michael Johnson. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That lippy cocksucker, until he got shut the fuck up, he was a lippy piece of shit. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. He definitely had his place in the UFC because he was very good. 
but at this time, he's a shell of his former self. We haven't seen him in probably eight, ten fights. Yeah, at least. I mean, him and Guido are on about the same level here. To be honest, I was perfectly all right when I saw that this was the main event for the prelims. This was a right? perfect fight for that. That's what I said. When this was the premier prelim, I thought that made perfect fucking honest, sense. Look, I'm okay with them being on the main card, but this should have been the show opener. This fight should be where the Benil Dara Yush fucking Vigoredo. Right, yeah. If you're going to put it on the main, put it in the fucking opening slot. Don't yeah, stick I, it halfway I, through the card. Don't, don't, get me, don't get me wrong. I understand why they put it as a people's coming event because these are household names for most people. Even right. some of our uninitiated fight fans, you can say Clay Guida, they know who he is because everybody's seen the fucking clips of him and Diego Sanchez going to fucking absolute war 10,000 miles an hour. Look like a There's fucking... a reason that's in the Hall of Fame, baby. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why that fight is literally in the Hall of Fame. But, I mean, look, this is what it is. It's two aging fighters that need to hang them up. And I hate to say that about fucking Michael Johnson because technically he's still in the right age category and could, in theory, make a run. But I, I say in theory because I don't think that's happening. I mean, Michael Johnson's what, 34? Yeah, he's 34. Yeah, I think 30, just had to double check yeah. myself there. He's 34. So he's still well within that prime of fighting. You got about until 36 before shit really starts to completely fuck, fuck off. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe he'll come out and do something absolutely spectacular to no one's surprise because he's fighting an aged Clay Guida who hasn't fucking done dilly in quite some time. And don't get me wrong. I appreciate Clay Guida. I'm glad he's still with us. However, at the same time, I would love to see him retire. I, and nothing against him. It's just, it's, it's time. I mean, look, his last yeah. two fights we've seen him and he's got fucking demolished. He got fucking choked up by Jim Miller in under a minute. That was, and that was rough too. Jim got him hard. Yeah, it was a nasty guillotine. And then Kim is out and he fought fucking green necks and got absolutely destroyed. I don't want to see this out of him anymore. I'm I'm done watching Clay Guida get beat up. And, and namely because I like the guy. He's always had the perfect personality and he was the right kind of fighter for the UFC. That's the kind of fighter you want to root for. Fuck yeah, he was. That's the dude you could always fucking root for no matter who he's fighting against. You could always fucking cheer Clay Guida on. And the worst part now is I want to root for him, but I can't. And I can't root for Michael Johnson either. Namely, because I don't fucking like him. Granted, credit where credit's due. He's done some really good things in the sport. But at the same time, this is a no-win fight for either win, well, either one of these guys. Because whoever wins gets a reason to fight again. Right. And to be honest, that's a lose-lose situation for the both of them. Uh, I, to be honest, I really hope Clay, uh, no matter how the outcome of this fight goes, if he pulls a win out of his ass. I want him to lay those fucking four ounce gloves clean in the center and be like, you know what? It's been real. It's been fun. Time to go fishing. It's time to go fishing. Dude, 
The lakes are frozen over. You train out of Rufus Sports in Milwaukee still. So, I mean, there's some ice fishing that can be done. That's all I'm saying. But, yeah, it is what it is. Glad to see the aging guys get their way out the door now. I'm going to keep it short, sweet, and to the point. I wouldn't mind seeing two sets of gloves, one on toward the red side, one towards the blue. Both of them, take them off, set them down, shake their hands, and fucking that's it. Both the guys had their time toward they were some of the best of the best in the UFC point blank period. They had their, they had their 15 minutes of fame. Clay Guida lived that 15 a bit better than what Johnson did, but both of them, the best is behind you. Stop taking shots that you don't need to take. Call it a day after this, both of you put the gloves down, take a step back. Clay, go do stay in the UFC, do some sort of announcing, go run fucking gyms, educate people, and fucking give people the motivation that you have instilling them what what what, what, what what there is inside of you. Go do something good for the sport because you're a fucking great person, hell of a fighter, and he will he will forever be one of the most recognizable people, not because of his face, but because of the fucking hair flying and that fucking right just sending home 50 fucking times in five seconds. Yep. Call it a day. I agree. I agree. That fucking mini Troy Palomalo he's got on his fucking head will always be iconic, man. I got to say, I, I really don't fucking care who wins that fight i i agree i would like to see if they're going to keep either of them keep them on the prelims but i would not be mad at both of them laying their fucking gloves down the only the only hitch in this fight at all for me is that i can't root against clay guida because he's a lifelong cubs fan so i gotta give him the benefit of the doubt there uh also fuck michael johnson but uh that being said that will bring us to our co-main event of the evening. Um, unlike the BKFC card, the UFC has actually got some legitimate good fucking fights for both the co and the main event. The peoples, they kind of screwed the pooch on literally in the last hour or so, but uh, they have kept the co and the main event for this weekend's UFC card. Pretty fucking choice right now so the co-main event that we are talking about first and foremost here is Corey Sandhagen coming off of one of the most beautiful wheel kicks we have seen since Edson Barbosa putting Marlon Marais flat the fuck on his ass stepping in against Frankie Edgar showing people that time is not the fourth dimension because Frankie can reel that shit back like a fishing pole Frankie Edgar in the tail end of his fucking career has done more work at bantamweight in my opinion than he did in the beginning of his career at feather or lightweight not caliber wise because we haven't seen enough to know that yet i'm saying for as far into his career for as deep into this fucking game 
as Frankie Edgar is right now, deciding at the end of his career to drop all the fucking way down to bantamweight and not only drop all the way to bantamweight, but look fucking good doing it, showing Jose Aldo how you're supposed to make the fucking transition down to a different weight class like this. This is going to be a real, real interesting matchup. The biggest sticking point for me in this fight is going to be, can Corey Sanhagen get his jujitsu to work against Frankie Edgar's wrestling? Because at some point, Frankie's going to get in. And when Frankie gets in, he's going to grab your fucking leg and he's either going to run you against the fence and yank it out from underneath you, or he's just going to trip you in the middle of the fucking ring and put you down. Frankie is such a fucking quick and smooth wrestler. There almost isn't a way to stop him unless you can negate the initial takedown attempt. And most people can't. Corey Sanhagen being a tall, lanky dude and used to using his range, but also having that jujitsu in his pocket is going to make it a little interesting because Frankie's not the type of dude that's going to let you throw a fucking wheel kick at him like Marlon would. Frankie's going to shoot on your fucking standing leg when that fucking spin starts to happen and the other one goes up. But Frankie has also had a history of having issues with great submission practitioners, putting him in a fucking bad way when he relies too much on his wrestling because his wrestling is great. It really, really is. I don't mean just in the UFC. I mean, in the fucking world, Frankie Edgar is for my money, one of the best mixed martial arts grapplers on the fucking planet period. But he relies so heavily and so confidently on it that it can get him into trouble. That's where, Corey Sanhagen's jiu-jitsu skills come into play because Corey is more than just a long rangy fighter. Corey is also a big fucking problem when things get to the ground. But we've also seen Corey gas before. That term isn't in Frankie Edgar's vocabulary. You will not gas Frankie Edgar. For 20 years, people have been trying to gas Frankie Edgar and it just doesn't fucking happen. This is where I think the big potential for shakeup in this fight is going to play because at some point Frankie's going to go to that wrestling. But is he going to have the presence of mind to be aware of the crazy shit that Corey's going to try to set up because Corey is very unconventional in a lot of his submission attempts. And that's part of what catches a lot of guys off guard, specifically a lot of traditional wrestlers who aren't used to looking at those weird fucking Japanese necktie fucking setups. But Frankie also can take a licking and keep on ticking. That man is a goddamn New Jersey Timex. But can he take a licking from Corey Sanhagen and keep on ticking? I love Frankie Edgar. He is, in, for my money, one of the best examples you can give of what a martial artist is supposed to be. Not just in the cage, not just out of the cage, but as the total fucking package. As a human being, Frankie Edgar is what you would want to represent mixed martial arts. But, and I mean Sir Mix-a-Lot style, I like him big, but. I think at this point in his career with this many road miles, this set into his game, 
it's just a little bit too late to step into the fucking deep, and I mean deep, talent pool that is the bantamweight division right now. And Corey Sanhagen, for the little stutter that he took, is on a fucking rocket ship course towards the fucking top. I love Frank Yeager, but I do not think he can get around Sanhagen. I think Sanhagen still finds a way to get it done. I don't think it happens early, and I don't think it happens easy. But I think Sanhagen finds a way in the end to get it done. All right, here we fucking go. One, Corey Sanhagen does not have the gas tank to do this fight. Not at all. The pace that Frankie puts out is similar to that of a Max Holloway. Maybe not in the complete amount of strikes, but the amount of pace that he pushes. Him and Clay Guida cut from that same cloth around that same time where it's been fucking go, 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 have a great gas tank and you'll get there. He's Frank Edward has been in some absolute fucking wars and he's only been finished. How many times does anybody want to quote me on this one by Brian Ortega? What? He has a granite fucking chin. Ortega won the goddamn Powerball jackpot when he threw that fucking shot. <laughs> he fucking did. And he matched the Powerball. That's what that was. Corey Sanhagen, in my opinion, is overhyped. Look at the string of fights that he had coming up to his, oh my God, he's fucking great. None of them were really fucking notable. In my opinion. Yeah, there was some decent names on there, but not fights that, oh my God, he's fucking great and deserves to be in the top five. I don't think so. Especially not after he fucking completely and utterly got his fucking ass handed to him in the first round by fucking a shitty Aljamain Sterling. I don't like Aljamain Sterling. I'll say that, that bothered me. I'm not even going to fucking lie or try and pretend that fucking fight bothered oh. me. That pissed me off. I thought he was so much fucking better than Aljamain Here's and it got the, sloppy. Um, one, it's sloppy for two reasons. Corey Sandhagen, do you know whose protege that is? That's Ronda Rousey's protege. Of anybody to not get subbed, it should have been Ronda Rousey's protege. Right. That's all I'm saying. That brings me to point two on why he's overhyped. He's overhyped because he's Ronda Rousey's, Rousey's protege, and people have known that from the get-go. I don't think he's as good as everybody thinks he is. He's solid, but I still don't see him as a top five fucking bantamweight. I don't. Interesting. Frank Edgar is a hundred times more well-rounded. Even at this day and age, at the exponential pace that people have been completing their games, Frankie Edgar has been as well. He's one of those few fighters that has continued to add tools to his toolbox, but still relies on heavily on his base, which is fine, but he's still doing everything else. 
That's why he's still competing at such a fucking high level. To be honest, I don't think that was the last stumble that we're going to see from Corey Sandhagen. I'm going to go out here. I'm going to say Frank Yetker gets the win. I don't think Sandhagen has what it takes to get Frankie out of there. And Frank Edgar is a way better point fighter than Corey Sandhagen. Way better. And I absolutely agree with (laughs) Because you you look at his record, he's always been a fantastic point fighter. If it comes to decision, who's getting his hand raised? Frankie fucking Edgar. Corey Sandhagen, he's only known how to finish people, but he's never finished anybody the caliber of Frank Edgar. Not to mention there's only one person who's done it, and I'm pretty sure Corey Sandhagen wouldn't get his ass whipped by Brian Ortega, too. Look what he just did to the Korean zombie that we didn't think was going to be that way. I'm just saying, Corey Sandhagen, over-fucking-hyped. He is good in his own right. I will give him that. But I don't think he is where he... I don't. I think he's way ahead of where he deserves to be. And I think this fight with Frankie Edgar is going to actually prove that. I think Frankie Edgar gets it done. Interesting. Why does it look like every time you do that, you're about to tickle somebody's balls? That's but it's, it's just It's just more convenient, man. Oh, okay, whatever you're practicing for, you don't have to tell us. It's cool. It's just, it's just, it's just more convenient to do. Let me get my Maybe mouth. This is what you want to call that? Let me bring it over, and then. If convenience is what you want to call that, we'll let you. It's just, it's just convenient. Um, that's why that's that that's also why I bought the mic like nine months ago. Um, so. In the UFC right now, there is the two classes of, of people, the new breed that can do anything and everything at the fucking drop of a hat. And then there's the old dogs. Ah, fuck both of y'all motherfuckers. Fuck both of y'all. It's convenient. It It is convenient. See, it's convenient. I didn't even have to touch my mouse. In the UFC right now, there's there's the two there's the two big big fucking groups of, of fighters, the new breed that can do anything and everything that you ask them to absolutely perfectly to the book. And then you have the old dogs that are stuck in their ways. And then you have the 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 very few old dogs that over the years just haven't taken a step back and have added every little thing that that new kid has to where they're still that old dog they've still been in the fucking industry since they were the fucking new kid's age but they can do everything that that kid can but make it look like fucking uh, a walk in the park Frankie Edgar is in that very slim group. There's not a lot of fucking people that have been in the industry as long as he has and not and not take that massive 
drop in performance and just the drop in general. I absolutely agree with with, 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 with TG on this. The way the, the way Frankie fights, his gas tank, his pace, and his fucking power, and that fucking chin will not be stopped on Saturday. It at least not from San Diego. Interesting. Interesting indeed. I don't know if uh, Corey's going to be able to make it all the way to the end, but I think if he can get Frank yearly, I think Frankie's in trouble. But that being said, that's going to bring us to our supersized main event of the evening, the meat of the meat and potatoes portion of this meat and potatoes segment in this meat and potatoes filled show. The reason for the season, the namesake for the card, Alistair, the Reem Overeem versus Alexander Volkov. There's so much I want to say about this fight. There really is. But realistically, what it all boils down to for me is the fact that Overeem can and does provide constant pressure from that opening bell until he finishes you or you finish him. Overeem is going to be putting pressure on you. He's going to try and take away your distance. He's going to try and take away all your weapons. And he's going to try and impose his fucking will by just being a steady blanket of where the fuck did he come from? He's real, real fucking good at it. It's kind of the game that he developed when he had to evolve from Uberim back into Alistair if he wanted to stay in the UFC. When USADA really started to become a thing and you couldn't rely on horse meat and Mexican supplements anymore and Alistair had to start becoming a real boy, he changed his game up a little bit. And he went from that power-happy headhunter that just wanted to fucking kill you in the first 30 seconds to a dude who has the ability to stand in there with you for 25 minutes and then hurt you from the top of your head to the tip of your fucking toes in the course of that match. Volkov is not that same type of dude. Volkov is a guy who is tall and lanky, much like Corey Sanhagen, good at using his range. Not so good, however, at dealing with pressure. We saw even someone like Derek Lewis was able to withstand four and a half rounds of the best Volkov could do. And still with his face looking like Khloe Kardashian lips and all was able to beat the shit out of Volkov and finish him in the last 20 seconds of the fucking fight. If your chin is that suspect and somebody can withstand everything you can put on for 24 and a half minutes and then turn around and clean your fucking clock, you're in real trouble when you step in against a guy who's a K1 Grand Prix world fucking champion kickboxer turned mixed martial artist in the UFC 
Alistair Overeem is one of those great representatives of the old dogs who can do every goddamn thing. He didn't come into the UFC needing to work on this or needing to work on that. He just needed to fine tune a couple of rough edges when he got here because he was fully fucking capable of doing any and everything he needed to. Need a sub, he'll choke you to fuck out. Want to stand in front of him? He'll knock you to fuck out. Get sloppy? He'll kick you in your fucking face and put you to sleep. Alistair has what it takes to finish a fight anywhere it goes, and he's going to be on you from the time that fucking fight starts till it ends. Volkov has shown that he will wilt under that same type of pressure. And I got nothing against Volkov, but that new back tattoo is not going to fucking save him from the ass whooping that Alistair Overeem is about to put on him. Yeah, after seeing Volkov jump from light heavyweight to, or from fucking his last fight to this, I he's look he doesn't look quite right. Um, what's the best way to put this? The last outside of the obvious fucking um, what's the word? A uh, midlife crisis. And that gigantic fuck off back piece that he had done that is um what's the nice way to put this half-assed at best whoever um he chose as an artist i'm gonna say i'm not a fan of to be fair it's a thousand times better than that fucking stingray that he got covered up i will give him that i'm just saying stick with stingray things were looking better don't get me wrong this is the same person who went to the fucking distance with Voldemort. The fucking distance with a shitbag fighter. Why Volkov gets to fight the Reem, and I say gets to because this is a privilege. I do not understand. However, Plus side to this, Reem gets another W. And to be honest, I've been low-key pulling for Reem to get one last run at the title and one more shot at it. I'm right there with you. Before he retires, because you know what? We all know Reem is getting close to that time where he's going to hang them up. He's, He's a very intelligent fighter. Even when you watch press conferences with him he's very he's very vocal in knowing what he's talking about he's still with it he's with it enough to understand that he's on a he's on borrowed time right now because unfortunately when you get this late into your career as phenomenal as a career as he's had I would love to see one more fucking run of the title and him possibly even run win the title. I mean, I I would just like to see it for my own personal um, fuck everybody in the heavyweight division thing. And to be honest, what's probably going to end up happening, he'll win and they'll be, hey, do you want to fight John Jones? And that's probably what's going to fucking happen. 
Because I have a feeling yeah. that that's the way that this has been playing out for how long it's taken Jones to take a fight in there. And who do you throw him in there with? Somebody like Overeem. Yeah. And Overeem will go, yeah, because Jones is already a legend at light heavyweight. Why not welcome him in? And to be honest, I wouldn't be mad about that fight except for the fact that I think Jones needs to work his way up through the fucking heavyweight ranks, not just get a top five opponent in the fucking Alistair Overeem type situation. But either way, I think Alistair gets it done, and I think he puts Volkov to sleep. I think he's going to fucking knock him out. Clean his fucking clock. Set that timepiece back. Or jump it forward, one of the two, because I know we're getting close (laughs) to spring. I agree. Uh, I have... I, I, I absolutely agree. I do see where they could absolutely be trying to build Overeem versus Jones as the next matchup, but honestly... If he fucks Volkov up, if he knocks him out early and cleanly, I kind of feel like he deserves to jump Jones in the line. Like, I feel like Alistair should get the winner of Francis and Stipe, and then Jones can fight the winner of Alistair versus whoever he fights. All I'm saying is I think Alistair's already ahead of him. However, the UFC probably doesn't feel that way. That's that's what I'm saying. We both know that Dana's going to try and pull that card, but realistically, I kind of feel like it. Unless Overeem really shits the bed Saturday night, which ain't his fucking style and is not very likely against a guy like Volkov, yeah. I, I feel like he should be the next in line for the title confirmed, and John can sit on the fucking bench and cry for all anyone gives a shit. Yep. Work your way up, just like everybody else. Look, you did right. it in the light heavyweight division. Became the youngest champ ever. Do it again. Well, Work and on that same up. token, tell me a guy without a single fight in a division deserves a title shot over a guy who's literally torn his fucking way through that exact division. Well, I That's guess if, you, if we play that card, then at the same point, fucking old style bender shouldn't be getting the fight with fucking... No pull off there. That's all I'm saying. Because they I, keep things I even. I, to be honest, I don't think he deserves that fight. But at the same point, there, who else deserves to fight Jan right now? There's no point in a fucking rematch with Reyes. Whitaker needs to sit his fucking ass down. Till's still fucking loudmouth, and there's nobody else. You know, nobody else really stepping up to that plate right now. Oh. Yeah, but still. Let him have his fucking reign, but you know he'll he'll continue to reign because that's what's gonna happen. Much as all yeah. them style bender folks are gonna get out there, I I like the style bender, but that's a whole different level of Polak right there. Yeah, a couple of weeks we'll get to talk all about that one. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I'm excited for that fight only because I am as well. I'm ready to watch. Look, as much as I hate to say this, before I know I'm way off topic here, but fuck it, I am excited. To watch style bender just fucking eat the mat I, like uh, to be quite honest and it's not that i don't like him because i really do he's a phenomenal fighter and he's great for sport he's great on the mic he does great press but i'm ready for him to eat some fucking canvas namely when you get to jump the line on everybody else who's worked their ass off in that division all i can say is fuck you because that's the same thing i'm saying to john jones right now fuck you no, it's going to be real interesting to see how he responds to that Polish power because that's a whole different ball game. I mean, John Jones did duck Bohovich, so. 
So there's there's a little common enemy there that um, I'll give uh, I'll give Stylebender some credit. He's not ducking him, but I think that's a poor decision on his part. A very poor well, decision. and and you know, like I like I make a fucking point of saying credit where credit is due. Since the day he showed up in the UFC, he said, July 2021, International Fight Week, I'll be fighting John Jones at light heavyweight. John Jones ran clean the fuck out of light heavyweight. We're still at 2020, uh, excuse me, 2021, and Israel Adesanya is moving up to light heavyweight, just like he fucking said he would. There's something, there's something to be given for a man of your fucking word. There's a reason everyone loved Connor because when he told you he was going to fucking do something, that's exactly what he fucking did. And I give Adesanya's him credit taking a page right out of that playbook. I give him credit for that. That's a that's a big jump to go from 185 to 205, though. Yeah, it is. That's a whole different. Yeah, that's a whole different fucking world. That's like Jones making this big jump from 205 to fucking heavyweight. Heavyweight's fucking just ridiculous. Smallest guy you're going to see in heavyweight probably comes in at about a buck 45 or 245 and that's i think well what's stipe weighing against dc 242 yeah and so and that was lean stipe yeah so yeah 240 245 is just about the smallest motherfucker you're gonna see up in those playgrounds fucking weird it's a weird weird world So I'll keep it short and sweet because y'all have said everything. Um, the, on, the, 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 the only downside of Overeem, he eats punches. But he's got a fucking chin that has been tested over and over and over again and has very rarely been broken that's the only that's the the only fucking downside is that man likes to eat some punches like like meter said he is unstoppable on his feet if he needs to take you down and fucking sub you he will he doesn't do that very often he doesn't get a lot of action on the ground It's you can't you can't say Alistair Overeem's gonna lose a fight if you do you're fucking stupid and you need to stop watching the sport. Um, I I to 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 follow up. I would absolutely love to see Overeem like 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 he said, but at the the end of last year, coming up to the end of December, he said, "I know." I know my time's coming. I'm going to make one more run. If I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. And like both of you have said, he's a very in, in, intelligent person. He knows he knows that that fucking clock's ticking. So I think right, right now, until he sets the gloves down, that is a dangerous motherfucker. Absolutely agree with that. Absolutely agree with that. 
man. Realistically, if Reem puts on a fucking performance Saturday night, it's going to be real hard to fucking deny him whatever the fuck he asks for next, really. But the only way to find out for sure is going to be to tune in Saturday night and see for yourself or maybe keep an eye out this weekend for a recap show. That being said, though, we are going to call that all for this particular episode of the I'm No Joe podcast. So I do want to take this moment to thank each and every one of you for helping us get to this crazy fucking point that we are now here in season four. Thank you to each and every one of you, whether you're here in the chat or whether you're catching this on a replay or even listening to this in the all audio format as well. We appreciate each and every one of you. If you enjoy what we do around here, give us a thumbs up, hit that little bell down there so you don't miss an episode and share share an episode of this shit with your friends. We're trying to get this to some more eyes. If you think we're just a couple of dumbasses talking out our noses right to the fucking web camera, give us a thumbs down. We earned it and we won't dispute it. But before we get out of here, I do want to give these guys just a chance here. So at this point, if someone needs to get a hold of you after the show, RJ, how can they do such a thing? They can get a hold of me at RJ MMA official. Um, uh, over there on Instagram, come talk some shit. And um, I ne- ne- neither you, I don't think, have, have noticed, but since y'all have made the comment every now and then i'm just gonna do the 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 very subtle just nice just nice and subtle man i hate to bust your bubble but once you've seen one dude suck a dick you've seen it all uh i ain't sucking dick so not yet also time out hey tj you you saying you watched Man Suck Cock before? Let's uh let's talk about that real quick. Obviously, you have not lived enough to that you've seen that shit. I I don't want to see it. I'm I'm good. I just, Are I you just a think homophobic? It's funny that I was gonna no, say. I just I just don't want to see that. Do you have a problem with gay people? No. You're a human being. You're Are human you being. making a big deal out of this. Exactly. That's right. Mute the mic. Good boy. <laughs> so at this point, if folks need to get a hold of you after the show, TJ, how could folks do such a thing? Without stumbling through anything here, Wednesday nights, 930 Central, right here on the YouTubes. Find me on the Instagrams, you know. Golf T Vapes everywhere. Um, but I'll gladly give you directions um, through the snow um, and where to find the Kenosha Killer and all of that wonderful jazz, you know. Come hang out with us on Wednesdays and right back here Thursday nights. Hell yeah. Thank you very much for your time, gentlemen. So that being said, folks, we're going to call that all for this particular episode. We have got to get the fuck out of here because I'm sweating like RJ on pump number four heading for number five right now. Uh, Thank you to each and every one of you who have tuned in. We are going to call it all for this episode, though. So until next time, folks, remember, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything unless you really think this is convenience.
Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. How do I say goodbye to what we have? The good time. 